got really quiet. Good morning. Good morning. Greeting, greetings. Hey, good to see everyone this morning. You came even though it's Super Bowl Sunday. Some people are, you know, just like, can't miss anything, so they're already getting ready. But hey, it's good to, good to see everyone this morning. If you come, are you ready to worship this morning? Yes. Amen. Amen. It's good. To, it's just great to be here. I'm still alive without my wife at home. The house is getting messier and messier. <laughs> oh, no, it'll be clean before she comes home. Oh, no, it's just... It just doesn't stay clean. <laughs> That's all on me, by the way. Amen. For, uh, for all you members, just wanted to make sure that uh, you, you got your um, little, uh, there's an envelope with the, the in information about the meeting at the end of the month. It's got the budget and, and all the financials and stuff. So make sure if you're a member, you grab your envelope from whoever's got them at this point. Amen. I think Steve does. Oh, yeah. Amen. Who, who, who would like to open in prayer today? Don't always ask for them from the congregation, but someone want to open in prayer? All right. Thanks, Steve. stand and worship the Lord this morning for he is he is good he is amazing amen Deep inside of me, 
Every time I see you, all your goodness shines through. I can feel this God song rising up in me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your love makes me sing. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your love makes me sing. Let's sing that again. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your love makes me sing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah In the prayer 
mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the
are his portion and we are his portion and he is our prize drawn to redemption by the grace in his eyes if his grace is an ocean we're all sinking so heaven meets earth like an unforeseen kiss my heart turns by the deep side of my chest i don't have time to maintain these regrets when i
to be is about you. God, we want to bring you more than just a song. We want to bring you our whole selves. God, as a, 
as a sign, as a symbol of our surrender and our love and gratitude to you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I pray that we would be able to do that individually. God, bring you more than just words and just melody and singing, God. Help us to bring all of ourselves to you. Imperfections and all. Lay us Lay ourselves at, at your feet, God, and say, here am I. Here am I. Father, we love you, and we need you. Lord, we invite you into every area of our life this morning. And I say, have your way. And give us the strength to surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Love and greet one another before you have a seat. Amen. Good morning, Journey Church. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> How's everybody doing this fine morning? Good, good. <laughs> Sam is amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, a couple announcements for you guys. One is that we, if you did not get on your way in, we do have a stack of giving statements for those of you that give. Um, I believe they're out in the hallway now, right? Yes, thank you. <laughs> so please make sure that if you are, have been giving, that you grab that on your way out today so that you can use that towards taxes or whatever you need it for. Um, the next announcement is we do have a leaders meeting um, right after service today. It should be fairly brief. So I know we've got the Super Bowl coming this afternoon. I don't know if you can tell who I'm rooting for. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think I went a little bit overboard, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> but, and then the next announcement is that we do also have our annual church business meeting that is on the 26th of February, so it's the last Sunday of the month. And so if you guys hang out after service, we'll have lunch for that, and then just get to hear about all the different ministries. Um, the past, the future. And then I was thinking about it too. If you're thinking about maybe wanting to be a part of one of the ministries, this is a good opportunity to hear about what's going on and be praying about maybe how you yourself can get plugged into a ministry here at the Journey Church because we want to 
all be the hands and feet of Christ, right, in any way that we can. So I think that's it as far as the announcements go. So we're just going to continue our time of worship and receive our tithes and offerings. And I was thinking about, you know, obviously I'm sporting the Chiefs paraphernalia here. And <laughs> that is the team that I root for. And I was thinking about how tithes and offerings can actually kind of be like a way that we're rooting for God. Like Jesus is our team. Because a lot of times if you have a sports team, you invest in them in some way, shape, or form, whether it's through sporting their t-shirts or whatever that looks like, going to their games and that kind of stuff. And it's like we want to invest in Team Jesus. And so when we give into our tithes and our offerings, that spreads out to the ministries that we have here at the church. It spreads out to the valley, the community, and even across the globe with our different missionaries that we have. And so we are basically saying, go Jesus, go, <laughs> when we tithe. And so, um, yeah, just want to encourage you guys in that. So let's go ahead and pray for our tithes and offerings now. Father, we thank you so much that you are the ultimate team leader, God of the world, of the universe, God, that you created us all, and we thank you so much for that, God. Help us to be um, the best cheerleaders possible in every aspect of our life, whether it's work, with its family, with its friends, um, in our tithes, and our offerings, and even in our worship, God, as that last song reminded us to get back to the heart of worship and that it's all about you. And so, God, we thank you so much for the many ways that you bless this church body and each of us individually. Lord, we ask that you would be glorified in all that is given today. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So the, the, the verse uh, of, of the day, I think, is Exodus 3.16, uh, reading from the BBE version. And it says, go and get together the chiefs and say to them, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, has been seen by me and has said to you, Truly, I have taken up your cause. <laughs> That's Exodus 3.16. <laughs> yeah, we're not supposed to do that for real. You know, that's kind of not what we do, but uh, it's kind of kind a little funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, the wings of, we let us soar on wings of, as of eagles. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. No, it's a, yeah, Super Bowl's a fun day to gather together with, with friends and family. I hope you guys have a place, and then if you're going to enjoy that. But uh, anyways, we're going to be in the book uh, for here before we go to the Super Bowl. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Amen. 
And, you know, a few years ago, they changed the date of the Super Bowl. Um, as, I was kind of glad they did because every once in a while, when we used to have our annual meeting um, on the last Sunday of January, and there were a couple of years that the Super Bowl and the annual meeting ended up on the same date, and it was really hard to get a quorum. <laughs> so we've changed ours to the end of End of uh, October, uh, end of February, end of October, end of February, and uh, give us a little bit more time. And that's what those uh, mail-outs are about. So make sure you get that and check out uh, what's what we're voting on and everything. So you're kind of familiar with that before that meeting. And again, for today, for those leaders who who you know, if you've got, if you have to go, that that is really okay. We're going to get together, to pray, and just spend a few minutes together. Um, you know, maybe a half an hour or so just kind of praying and, and just talking about a few things. Um, there is, honestly, no judgment if you've got plans, if you have to go get ready for people coming to your house, that's fine. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Amen. First Corinthians 10 is, or First Corinthians is a book that sometimes meddles with us, uh, and the Bible really should be that. It's it's something that should challenge us, and it shouldn't always be easy to hear. Um, in fact, the Bible says that that in the end times, people will lay up for them preachers who only preach things that their tickling ears want to hear. Um, we should be challenged. In, in our life. Uh, if, if you want to grow in anything in your life, you should be challenged. If you want to get healthier or, or uh, get stronger and go to the gym, to have people there to challenge you to push yourself uh, is what you need. You need people to help correct your form in order to get uh, stronger and to do it well and not to hurt yourself. Um, in work, if you want to succeed, good businesses, good companies have reviews where they go over uh, your strengths and they, they talk about your weaknesses, how you can perform better. Uh, all of life, uh, we should put ourselves into areas that people can speak to us and tell us the truth and encourage us. And this is what the scriptures do. And it's not always fun. It really can be challenging. And, and as we've gone for a couple of weeks, and we're going to hit a little bit again today, uh, Paul is talking in 1 Corinthians. Uh, we've been spending a few weeks talking about the freedoms that we have in Christ and that we are free in Him. We have liberty. We don't need to be yoked again to bondage. But he goes on to say, but don't ever use your freedom to be a stumbling block for somebody else. Yeah. Going on to say things so strong as to saying, you can have meat that's been offered to an idol. There is no problem. But if my eating meat stumbles another brother, he said the statement, I will never eat meat again. And and we go, wait, what about freedom? I mean, can't we, can't we do these things? And Paul's saying, you can. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. He's laying out for us that as believers, we live differently than the world might live. And honestly, we should live differently than our flesh wants to live. We often want to demand our freedoms. And Paul's saying, no, for the sake of the cross, 
for the sake of the gospel is the word he uses, which is the good news. For the sake of the good news, I will lay down all of my rights if by any means, as we read last week, I'll become all things to all people. His goal was that some might come to faith because of our actions and that none of us would ever hinder the gospel. I use the word, we never want to put up a stop sign in front of the gospel for anybody. And so he's challenging us. He's meddling with me. I, I, I hope and pray and believe he's probably meddling with you um, at different times as we go through here. We're going to find this a little bit more in chapter 10. Now, uh, again, written by Paul to the, the, the church in Corinth, um, it, the church has been established. He helped to establish it. This church has been amazing. They've also had teachings. We don't know for sure if it was in person or not, but they, they know Apollos and they know Peter, and they're lining up behind different apostles. This is a, this is a church that um, is, is growing and is making a difference even in their area, um, and the... Uh, church is coming up against the pagan uh, religions and pagan practices. So starting in verse 1 in chapter 10, uh, he goes on and begins to lay out uh, some Old Testament history to the church. And we'll talk a little bit about that this morning. Heavenly Father, as we continue this morning, I pray that you would uh, open up our heart and our ears and our eyes to see and to hear and to understand and to respond, Lord, to your word. Lord, uh, we thank you for challenging, and we thank you that you uh, love us, and that there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus, but there is conviction. So, Lord, we, we pray for the, uh, the latter, the conviction, and we reject the former uh, condemnation. There is no condemnation. So, as we go into this time of the word, we just thank you that you'll speak to us and, and show us uh, more clearly how to live and how to operate, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It starts off and says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers. We're going to see that term. Um, some of your versions might even say, I don't want you to be ignorant. Um, and the truth is, honestly, sometimes we are. The church is. We are. The church in Corinth was ignorant. We're going to find uh, that again when we start talking about spiritual gifts. But he says, I don't want you to be unaware. So he wants to help us to understand something here. That our fathers were all under the cloud, and they all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and, that, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. He's going through a lesson here in reminding uh, the people in Corinth that the Jews, the Israelites, were in the wilderness, walking with God, watching His miracles. And moreover, Paul is connecting some of these things to uh, the Corinthians, which connects to us. He says, listen, our forefathers, they were all under the cloud. And the cloud is, is what led them in the day when the Israelites were in the wilderness going. The cloud was what the, they would follow the cloud by day and follow the pillar of fire by night. God was leading them through that, showing them where to go, even into things and into places and into times that were difficult for the, the Israelites at the time, leading them right up to the Red Sea where they thought they were going to die. 
And so he says, they were all under the cloud and they all passed through the sea, the Red Sea, and all were baptized into Moses. Now, that phrase is, is interesting, but he's making a comparison of, of being baptized. They were baptized into Moses, who was not the perfect Christ, but was a picture of the Christ, the Redeemer, the Savior, because Moses saved the Israelites out of Egypt. Okay, so there's a comparison here, and I want to help us to understand that in the Scriptures, Egypt is a foreshadowing or is a type of the world. And so when the Israelites came out of Egypt, they were coming out of the world, out of the flesh. And so for us, it's the same picture as he's making the comparison for them that Moses was the rescuer, the Savior from Egypt, the world. So Christ is for us the rescuer, the redeemer, the Savior from the world. And he rescues us from the world and takes us into the promised land, which Moses took the, the people of Israel through the wilderness but because he wasn't perfect, because he wasn't the Savior, and because they were still on earth, they were going into the promised land, but the promised land for them wouldn't be perfect. You know, when they finally got over and they crossed the Jordan after 40 years walking in the desert and they went into the promised land, they were really believing and hoping, I think, that it was going to be perfect. But when they got in there, because it was still part of this kingdom, part of this world, when they got in, things weren't always good. There were still enemies to fight. There were battles to, to win and really battles to lose for the Israelites. They lost some of these battles. And Paul here is reminding them of these, uh, uh, the accounts of the Israelites. So they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And that says they all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink. Paul's trying to help us to understand that as Christians, and, he, and he, he talked about it already, he's going to talk about it more, the communion, having that uh, fellowship with Christ, the same spiritual food as believers. We celebrated this just last week. Communion is about fellowshipping with Christ. It's about being in relationship with Christ. And we as believers understand that, that the communion represents that relationship that we have with Jesus. And for them, uh, they were fed manna from heaven, right? And, and God provided their food every day. And he says that was the spiritual food. But for us, it's Jesus. And the scriptures teach us that Jesus is the bread of life. And that we, by being partakers of Jesus, being part of that body of Christ, we have fellowship with him. Uh, we have that union with Christ. And we take of that spiritual food, which is Christ. And verse 4 says, and they all drank the same spiritual drink. They, for them, it was water out of the rock. For us, we know that Jesus brings living waters to us. He is our lifeblood. He is our drink. He's our uh, the same spiritual drink. And then it goes on, it says, for they drank from the same, from the spiritual rock that followed them. And the rock was Christ. Paul is actually alluding to that the, the rock in the wilderness was Christ. And it, 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 he's making a picture that, that, that Christ gave them life. You can live without food for 40 days. Some of us could probably live 50 or 60. 
You can live without food for a long time. You cannot live without water for very long at all. Just a few days and your body is going to be really beginning to shut down radically. That water is Christ. Water is life. So when it says that Christ was the rock that kept them alive in a sense, they said that, that was Christ, that rock. And they were out in the wilderness going, where are we going to get water from? Um, I don't know if you've ever been to the point where you're just like, I just feel like I'm, we say the word, I'm dying of thirst. I'm dying of thirst. If you've actually ever been stranded or in the mountains for a long period of time, you really get to the point where like you begin to wonder, where am I going to get water? If you watched any of the Survivor shows, uh, any of the shows, well, the first thing you need to do is you need to find water. You need water and shelter. And, and water is the most important thing, so you always have to go for water because it's, it's that life. And they're saying, Christ was the rock that water came out. Now, some of you don't even know what I'm talking about. So as the children of Israel were wandering around at the very beginning of their journeys, um, they, they were without water, and they began to grumble and saying, what, you bring us out here to die? There's no water. And so on two different occasions, uh, God called on Moses to bring them water. And one time he had him strike the rock, and water came. And another time it was speak to the rock, and water came, though he struck it in that time. So the rock burst forth this water, and it says that uh, they all, all the Israelites drank that same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. And, and, and I don't know if you get the picture when you read this, that the, the rock literally followed them. He's kind of coming up with some interesting pictures here. The rock followed them. I don't see any place in Scripture that there was a, literally a rock falling around them, dragging around. That would have been really kind of cool, this big old boulder just <laughs> cruising through. Um, kind of like the rocks that move in, in uh, is it Death Valley? Who's ever, seen, who's ever gone out there and seen the moving rocks? I've seen on a, on a special. There's rocks that literally move across the plain. I guess maybe, you know, that's what they were thinking happened then. Some of you are like going, really? Google it later, you know. Don't do it right now. Some of you are going to go, man, i got to check that out. Rocks that move across the desert. But, but because Christ was with them and he provided for them at all times through the rock in different ways, he, they always had what they needed. And it, this passage is saying that all the Israelites were under the cloud. They were under the fire. They were being fed manna. They had the same spiritual food. They had that spiritual drink who, that came from the rock who was Christ. And then he begins to, to change this a little bit, and he says something that really blows my mind. And he's talking to us as he's talking to the Corinthians. He says, listen, guys... All of our fathers, all of them were under the cloud. In fact, look at this in your, in your Bible, if you've got it. And all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. When you're reading the, the scriptures, you try to notice if, if all of a sudden the same word appears over and over and over again, and you go, what's he... What's he saying? There, is there a reason for saying all, all, all? And there is. All of them, all of them, all of them. They all saw the miracles. They all drank. They all ate. They all did this. Verse 5, nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased. What a huge statement that, that God was not pleased with most of the Israelites, even though they all 
witness these things. I don't know about you if you've ever in your life said, sometimes I wish I could live in the Old Testament and see the miracles that God did for them or live in the times of Jesus to just literally see him uh, heal somebody or cast out a demon or, or feed the 5,000 because if, if I could see that, I think my faith would be stronger. If I could just see a miracle that God did, I would walk with him closer. I would have more faith, but I haven't seen it. And we say that, and yet the, the truth is that in the scriptures, lots of people have walked and lived under the times when God was doing miracles, Old Testament, New Testament in the times of Jesus. He fed 5,000 people twice. He fed 3,000 people. He healed all these people at the after his crucifixion, there was hardly any left. And by, and by um, the upper room experience, 50 days later at Pentecost, there were 120 believers gathered together. Where were the thousands of people that saw the miracles? Seeing the miracles doesn't really help. There's a faith that we need to have and, and have built up in us through the Spirit himself because all the Israelites, they all saw all of this. In fact, they would go from one miracle one day and then within a couple days be grumbling again about something else. Sometimes it reminds me of our kids or something. Like, are we going to ever eat dinner? I'm going to starve to death. It's like, have I never not fed you? You act like, like you've ever had to skip a meal. And, and, and we as parents go through that with our kids, and yet we do that with God. And the Israelites did that, and they said, you saw all this, Paul says, they saw all this, and yet nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased. And so they were overthrown in the wilderness. And we, we read these, let's move on. In verse 6, it says, now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. We're going to get into some of these things the, the, that which we already read and that, that, that which's coming up, it says in verse 7, So do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. And then he says it again. Now, these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of ages have, has come. Let's stop there for a sec. We'll keep going in a minute. So Paul begins to talk about all the, some of the failures that the children of Israel had. They grumbled, they committed idolatry in, in numerous ways, but one of the ways literally is that when Moses went up onto the mountain and all the people were like, How? he's been there a, a long time, and they, they looked to Aaron, they said, you've you got to do something for us, and so they fashioned the cow, the calf out of, the, out of all the gold, and I, I, you know, that story is a, a hilarious account, I think, that is how dumb we sound sometimes when we're trying to make excuses for ourselves. Because when Moses came down off the mountain, because he heard that they had gotten up and they were partying, 
because they had made a calf and they they okay, our God's back with us. This calf is here. They're worshiping and they're celebrating. And Moses comes down and says, what are you doing? And that's when he, you know, he breaks the tablets and all that. And Aaron's, Aaron, Aaron sounds like a six-year-old at this. Well, we threw all the gold in the fire and out popped this calf. <laughs> and I mean, if you had kids, you can think of some of the things that little kids say when they get in trouble. You know, I mean, they just make up these crazy things like, who ate all the cupcakes? A bird flew through the front door and it flew around the kitchen and it grabbed the entire thing of cupcakes and flew right out. I mean, our, parent, our kids will say things like that. And, and this is what Aaron, you know, did. It's because we're always trying to push off that, that guilt. We don't want to feel it. But they committed idolatry. They were worshiping this calf. But we worship things in other ways. You know, we, we, we go too far and with just liking something or respecting something, and we actually begin to worship it by putting all of our time and attention on it. Don't, commit, don't be idolaters as some of them were, uh, and they sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play, referring to that. It says, we must not indulge in sexual immorality. He goes on to another one. Um, and there was a time that, that they all began to, to engage with, sex with people from other nations, and God sent a plague, and a total of 20, 24,000 people died, but 23,000 in the same day. He says, we don't, we don't do that. We're not, we're, we don't engage in sexual immorality. We're not idolaters, and we must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor even grumble as some of them and were destroyed by the destroyer. He's, he's painting a picture, but these things happen to, to instruct us. How are we doing with that? How are we doing with the instructions and the warnings and these, and these pictures of what happened in the past? Are they deterring us at all? Uh, there's a story in, in Acts, which I'll, I'll confess, it's one of the most challenging, troubling scriptures for me. And it's in, in Acts, I believe it's chapter 5, when all the disciples, the, the, the church was growing, and all the disciples were coming, and they were bringing all of their their land and things to sell, to sell, to take care of everybody. They were just bringing things and selling it and so that everyone was living on it and every, everyone shared what was in common. They had everything in common. And this the story of Ananias and Sapphira. And it says, Ananias and Sapphira, husband and wife team, they had some land and they sold it. And they said, let's not give all the money to the church. Let's, let's keep some of it back and we'll give some. And, and, and when they did that, they were asked, is this all the money you made from the profit of, of the sale of the land? And they said, yeah, it's all of it. And Ananias died. He just, he did, he just dropped dead right there. He says, you have not lied to man, but you've lied to God. And bang, he falls down dead. And then, then later, and his wife wasn't with him, so later um, she didn't even know he died, and they asked her the same question. So that money that you guys gave, was that, was that all the proceeds from the land, sale of the land? And, and they said, yeah, that, she goes, yeah, that was it. And she goes, man, you've lied again. You've lied to God. And she drops dead too, and they go out and they bury her. And the reason I have a hard time with that is Old Testament, no problem. People drop dead like, you know, like flies sometimes, right? Just, <laughs> Lots of people dying, but in the New Testament, that's the only case of somebody dying. And honestly, I just have a problem. I'm like, I don't know what to do with it. You know, it, it gets me a little afraid because I'm like, okay, I'm a New Testament Christian. I'm never going to die for lying. <laughs> Except for them. I don't know what to do with that. So, 
But it, it's, it's, it, it's supposed to serve as an example to us to, to not lie and to be truthful. And then he goes on, you could have done anything you wanted with that money. It was yours in the first place. The problem wasn't keeping it back. The problem was lying and trying to get uh, credit for something that they didn't do. They're written down for us. And, and we want to be those who live right and, and not be those who grumble or fault find or lie or, or engage in sexual immorality or, or just doing whatever we want to do. You know, I love that he just quotes that the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And I'm like, I wish he could have been a little more specific there and said, think, and like said something that didn't sound good. Their idolatry, they said they sat down, they ate, they drank, they rose up to play. And I'm like, sounds like a nice day off to me. But their hearts, they were worshiping the wrong thing in the process, which often is just worshiping the way we want it. This is where Paul comes back to in these passages. See, we, we talked about this a little bit last week. We hit it again at this week. It's, well, I have that right. I can do it. I can do whatever I want. Don't you dare tell me that I can't do that. Uh, I, I say often, it's, everyone likes to think of themselves as a servant in some, until you're treated like one. Right? You, know, you might come and show up and do something at the church. You could feel great about it. But if sometimes you come and show up at the church and they go, hey, I came to vacuum the floors. I'm like, hey, great. Somebody already did that. Would you go clean the fridge? And you're like, no. <laughs> I didn't volunteer to clean the fridge. I'm a servant of God, and I came to vacuum. <laughs> Being a little silly, but, but do you, can you relate? Sometimes we do things, even in our service, sometimes we want to be in charge. And Paul is trying to help us to understand that, listen, for the sake of the gospel, I'm going to become even like a slave, he says. That was in, in chapter 9. So he goes on to this, this, this part here in chapter 10. And don't be unaware that all these people, they saw the miracles, they walked with God, and yet God, God was not happy with most of them. Verse 12, therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Now we're getting somewhere. Now we're getting somewhere. This is kind of the point of this little section. He says, he gave these examples going, the, the people of Israel, they were doing good. They were the children of Israel. They were God's chosen people. And yet they saw these things and God was not pleased with most of them. So he turns, he talks right to us and says, so you guys... Me too. He says, anyone who thinks that he stands, take heed lest he falls. Be careful. Be careful to, to just say things like, I'm good. I, I, I go to church. I read my Bible. Um, I'm faithful. I tithe. Everything's good. Be careful. Watch yourself. Watch yourself. We know the scripture. What comes before the fall? Pride. Pride. You know, no, man, I'm, I'm good. I, man, I, I don't struggle anymore. Sin's not, there's, I don't have a struggle with sin anymore. Listen, as, as humans, as humans, we will always struggle with sin. There are some teachings out there 
that are, that are false. If you find a church that says, listen, if you get close enough to Jesus, you won't struggle with sin. If you read your Bible enough, you won't struggle with sin. It's a lie. Now, as you walk with Christ, as you get stronger, you do things that keep yourself further away from temptation. You learn how to handle the temptation better, but temptation is always there crouching at your door. It, its desire is to master you. It, it's, it still comes knocking. Telegram. It, it wants to come into our life in, in whatever way it possibly can. So therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Which is bad news. And then it goes into good news. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Highlight that. Highlight that. That is so important. Now, here's, there's, good, there's a good news in that, and there's a tough news in that. This scripture takes away one of our excuses to sin. And that excuse is this. I just couldn't help myself. That's just, that's one of our excuses. It's a really, it's a brilliant excuse, isn't it? I just couldn't help myself. Well, this actually says that you can. So you can't use that excuse. There's no temptation overtaking you that's not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it, endure the temptation. That means that whenever anything is, comes against you, is, is rising up to tempt you, there is an escape route. The problem is sometimes we miss the escape route. We don't take it. And, and you get into a place where, where you maybe have gone so far missing all these exits that God has provided for you until it's too late and I just couldn't help myself. We need to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, help me to see the ways of escape that you're providing. There's been times in my life, well, especially when I was younger, you know, and I'm sure they still, they still happen now. I'm hoping I take the escape routes more often than I used to. But I remember some situations where I was in a bad situation and, and, and bad things were about to happen. And... Literally, there was, there was times I was with a group of people that I shouldn't have been with or was about to go out, and I get a phone call from a Christian. Hey, you want to go hang out? Nope. Because I knew what I wanted to do. No, 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 I've, I've got plans. Looking back, I realized that was my escape route. For, for you, what is it for you? What was it for you? And, and what is it for you? It could be as simple as about to make a poor financial decision. And, and somebody comes up, a godly person, sometimes even not even a godly person, comes up and challenges that decision, saying, I don't think that's a really good thing to do. And you go, yeah, but I want to. I want the new car. I want the new house. I want to dump some money, whatever it is. 
And, and my hope and my prayer for all of us is that we begin to recognize when those things come and not say, I, ha- I can do this. Because sometimes we almost spiritualize and say, I can do all things through Christ, which gives me strength. We, uh, I think I've done that. Even spiritualize something. When God has, has actually given us a way of escape. And he says that he, we won't be tempted beyond our ability. He'll provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. It's, so the bad news is he's taken away our, our excuses. The good news is, is that you can do it. You can do it. You don't have to sin. Now, a second ago, you said, well, but you said that we're always going to be challenged. It's like, it's this kind of this thing. You don't have to sin, but you're going to sometimes. You're never going to be perfect, and, and there's grace for that. But you can get better and stronger and hear His voice more readily. You can set yourself up through, through His Word, through prayer, through fellowship. You know, if, if you're in your struggles, here's just a simple thing. It's a lot harder to sin when you're hanging out with a whole bunch of Christians. It, it's just kind of simple. You know, a lot, of, a lot of people get in trouble at home, alone, late at night. You go places that you shouldn't, again, late at night. Late at night is a, just a bad thing for Christians. You know, it's, we're children of the day, not night. We have to be extra careful at night. But, you know... You're at the church potluck, hanging out. It's just harder to sin, isn't it? Now, I'm not saying you have to always be with, with Christians, but we set ourselves up. We, we fellowship with believers. We spend our time in the Word. We, we get to know the Word of God to recognize the things of God and to know the things that, that we shouldn't be playing with. And we get stronger and stronger. Now, here's the, here's the fun part. Just real quick, I want to kind of do this. I've talked about this a lot, and I hope you're beginning to, to do it in your reading times. You've got to take out the chapter differences and the heading sometimes, and then read it again. We take, I, I did it today, right? We're taking chapter 10. Now, we're going to forget chapter 10 starts there. And that little, uh, the little verse heading, you know, says warnings against idolatry in my Bible. And we're going to go back to verse 24. Right before verse 24, he was talking about I can do all things to, uh, to, to win some. Or not I can do, but I, I become all things to win some. Starting in verse 24, it says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud. And it goes right into it. This is one of those places, the chapter break, hinders the understanding of the chapter. You got to read it together and you go, he's setting us up to go, listen, we have to take this seriously. There's a race going on. 
Everyone's running, but not everybody gets the prize. Run in such a way that you get the prize. Don't just beat the air. Be targeted. Know what you're doing. Attack the right thing. Don't just be aimless in your life. And then he goes on, he says, look at all these people. They were in your exact same spot. They were with God. They were doing all these things, but God wasn't pleased with most of them. Why? Well, because they weren't focused. They weren't running the race in a serious way. I, I, I think that all of us today could look at the last number of years compared to culture today and say the effect of the church is lessening. We used to have such a greater effect on, on society, on culture. Now our effect, we, we, we really, they don't even want us to have a voice anymore. And many of us don't have a voice. Many Christians don't have a voice because they've really gotten weak in their approach to God. And, and we live in an everything goes society and, and Christians are told to accept everything. And he says, no, there's, there's a real war going on. There's a real race. There's a real fight. And we need to do that. And don't just say, because you go to church, you're okay. Watch yourself. Watch yourself. Therefore, anyone who thinks that he stands, watch yourself. Otherwise, you might fall, knowing that no temptation has overtaken you. Verse 14. So, my beloved, flee. Flee from idolatry. It's one of the ways we combat sin. It's one of the ways we actually do it. We flee. It's okay to run away. People are doing things that you are questionable to you, giving you, making you feel weak. Go home. <laughs> Just go call an Uber. Flee. You don't try to say, I'm, I just want to see how strong I am. I just, I just, I just want to, come on, I just, I, I want to see how strong I am. That's like, you know, fasting and then going to the, the donut shop, wow. hanging out in the donut shop, you know, after a couple days of not eating. Flee. And he goes, I speak to, as to sensible people, so judge for yourselves what I say. I just have to throw this in. Paul is a great orator. He, he's a great little writer here. You know what he just did? He just says all this stuff, and then he puts a little kicker in. He says, you know, I'm, I'm speaking to sensible people. So, I mean, so if, if you don't do what I'm saying, you're not sensible, in other words. And boy, he gets right. He's good, huh? Challenges you. You know, like, you know, I'm talking to, you know, smart people when I say these things. So you're like, yeah, so if you don't do it, you're really not smart. You're like, ah. And goes on. I'm going to stop there. That's <laughs> uh, the sign, right? Yeah. It's good Super Bowl message, huh? Ooh. We, what I want us to walk away from is we can do it. But we have to be aware of what's happening around. We have to be aware. It's, you know, the, the Bible talks about the enemy a lot, the devil. He's real. He, uh, he, he, you know, 
I, I'm taking another Bible class right now. I, I take them, you know, I'm just always taking one or two here. Um, and one of the professors in this class said something, and it's still meddling with me. I'm going to share it real quick as we kind of wind down here. He says, you know, the devil is not trying to make you sin and be bad. And I went, huh? I think I always think that's what his goal is. He's just trying to make you ineffective and not see the truth. He actually loves it when people go to church and don't change. Church is a great place. The devil loves it when people go to church and don't change because they think they're good. He puts them in this great little spot and says, I don't even have to worry about them. He doesn't, if, if there, are, there are people, if he tries to get to do drugs, they'll never, I'll never do drugs. I'd never have sex on my, you know, with anyone but my wife. And they're, they're very moral that way. But he gets us over here and just puts us into this kind of lulling asleep and not understanding the truth of the gospel. I watched something last night. It was actually, you know, it was a Facebook reel, to be, tr to be honest. I need to find this. It was with the magician Penn, you know, Penn and Teller. And he's an atheist. And Penn was taught, I believe he's an atheist. And, and uh, you know, they're from Vegas a few years back, but he was talking about Christians proselytizing. And he said the gist of it was he does not understand one bit why a Christian would not try to convert him or any other person. And he's actually angry at Christians. He says that he's just like, he's kind of angry at them for not trying to proselytize. He says, because they believe they have the truth of eternal life. How, I don't even understand how somebody who could believe they have the, the, the truth of the only way to get to heaven who wouldn't want to tell somebody else about Jesus. And I'm watching this atheist and getting convicted. He recognizes it. See, but see, that's the enemy. He, if, if he can just get us to just kind of do our thing, our little church thing, we become ineffective. He goes, I got him right where I want him. He doesn't need you to do bad things. He just needs to need you, needs for you and me to be ineffective. So that's why there's, there's a lot of churches that are growing and they're getting really big. And I think the devil's so happy that a lot of people are going to some churches because like they barely teach the truth there. They don't talk about sin. They don't talk about the importance of evangelism. They don't. But for us, Paul says, no, we need to be careful. The enemy, he's there. We need to steer away from sin. We need to do whatever we need to do to promote the good news, the gospel of peace. Watch yourself. And don't worry, you can do it. <laughs> Over 13, you can write that in your, in your little column there. And you've got to put, say it with an accent. You can do it. In Him, I can do all things through Christ, which gives me strength. Let's, let's pray.
Father, we want to be people who run the race in a way that we can obtain the prize. We want to be those who exercise self-control so that we might receive the imperishable prize. We want to run with purpose, with a goal. We want to discipline ourselves, discipline our bodies and keep it under control so that we're not disqualified ourselves and that we would preach to others. Lord, in our, in our walk, help us not to get so comfortable that we, we just get on cruise, cruise control, cruise mode. Stir us up. The world needs to hear the good news of the hope, the life, the joy that's found in a relationship with you. God, help us to press back into you and stir up that passion ourselves and cause us to be individuals who who have a good relationship with you and a passionate relationship with you. Help us to place ourselves in positions that, that would stir up our faith and our, our life and our joy in you. We thank you that the Holy Spirit lives in us and strengthens us and enables us to do all things. God, help us to love one another. Love one another greatly. Serve one another. Encourage one another. Spur one another on to good works. Help us to live under uh, conviction and no condemnation and be those who, when we fall, that we get back up and we run back into the arms of the Father. Bless each one of us with your presence, with the Spirit today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. Well, Give about 10 minutes or so. We'll grab a coffee. And there's a lot of snacks today. So leave me some. But grab a snack. Grab your coffee. Love each other a little bit. And then uh, if you're going to stay for the meter, leaders meeting, we'll go. Be, let's let's uh, give about 10 minutes. And then we'll go next door. So that way you can visit for a few.